What's up, everybody? Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast with your host, Aaron Dante, who brings you the hottest interviews with the dopest people sharing their experiences all across the world. Now, here's your host, Aaron Dante. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. We are finishing up October Surprise really strong. We have Miss Stephanie Baumberger on the show. Real estate, she's just awesome in real estate. She's all over DMV. Uh, she specializes in the Baltimore area. Can't wait for you to listen to her story. She was on episode 58 and was right before the pandemic hit. And it was my last in-person interview. Now we have her back to talk about what happened in the real estate world. There's so many things. I had friends looking for houses for a year and a half. Friends outbidding over 200000 for a house. I can't wait for her to tell you what's going on, where we're at now, and all the amazing stories and just stories that I just can't wait to share. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Remix Bar & Grill. Located at 819 East Pratt Street, just north of Harbor East. Remix is a sports bar offering a sole food menu. With over 20 TVs, pool tables, outdoor patio seating, and private rooms, Remix is set up to be your premier downtown destination to watch all your favorite sporting events. Open from 11 a.m. until 11 p.m. Monday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 12 a.m. Friday and Saturday, and 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday. Check out Remix Bar and Grill on Instagram and Facebook under at RYMKS Baltimore for daily happy hour specials and weekly events. Remix Baltimore. And folks, we are back with a quick spin with Rio. What's up, brother? How you feeling? Man, I'm doing awesome, bro. You know what I'm saying? I, I've actually spent this whole last couple of weeks, man, watching the basketball, bro. But not the basketball you might be thinking. Watching WNBA. I, I like WNBA. Yo, these ladies are out here hooping, bro. It's something different now. Um, so I just want to kind of dive into that real quick. Hey, it's your show. Man, let's talk, guys. What do you think when I say WNBA? And I'm being totally serious. What do you think when I say WNBA? I don't know what you were thinking about before, but you better start changing that thought process. If you have seen basketball, any WNBA games in the last few years, like I have been watching or just watching these women on the collegiate level, you have to understand the game is just different now. These women, different athletes. The names are starting to become more branded names. You're now looking at a sport that's actually starting to grow. Players are all around at the game. They got athletes down there. Megan Rapinoe's at the games. Lawrence from Insecure. <laughs> Chris Paul's showing up. LeBron's at the game. Kobe was such a huge advocate for the WNBA before he passed away, before his tragic death with his daughter and the six others in that helicopter ride. But, man, I really want to start talking about the disrespect these women have been getting. Basketball is not just about who can dunk. It really is about entertainment and who has the best athletes bar none across the world our women have been top notch bar above everybody from olympics to whatever other sport you can name our women have been absolutely dominant look at players like candace parker different handle jump shot like 610 Brittany griner absolute dominant monster can, can rebound can dunk on a fast break candace parker did it first let me add that part in Scholar, Scholar Dickens Smith, you ever heard of her? Um, how about Diana Taurasi, <laughs> a.k.a. Lady Mamba? <laughs> you guys have start, You guys got to start to watch the game. The finals have been on for the last week, and it's been one of the greatest finals I've ever watched. Just yesterday, they went to overtime. Mercury ended up pulling it out 91-86, and it was only because Diana Taurasi had to turn it on in the fourth and overtime and come out and just be absolutely dominant and magnificent. I do remember a couple weeks ago, though, Disney Ice was in town. Game one of the finals, and you canceled game one of the finals for Disney on ice? In round one, Diana Taurasi played Sue Bird. Now, if some of you have been paying attention, Sue Bird is one of the most decorated and greatest WNBA players along with Diana Taurasi of all time. They let that end in a single elimination game, and it's only because the fans haven't decided to join in in this amazing experience. I'm telling you now, these women are different. The game is not the same. There's no look passes. They're even starting to dunk. 
and they're shooting the lights out. And it's even chippier than you might think. The ladies are throwing bows. All I'm saying is give it a try. Be fair and just keep it a buck. It's good basketball. Whatever you were thinking in your mind, start changing it. The WNBA is a fun game to watch. This is Rio with the Quick Spin. Visit your neighborhood sanctuary and do wellness for a luxurious experience for everybody. Treat yourself and a loved one with a massage, facial, or an entire day of pampering with our deluxe spa day packages that include lunch from the restaurant next door, fire and rice. For more information on booking or purchasing gift cards, visit their website at indowellness.com or call at 443-438-4048. They look forward to welcoming you and your loved ones to their beautiful new space at Soha Union, located at 4801 Harper Road, Suite 1. Hello, 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 everyone. My name is Chamira E. Fleming, but you can call me Mai. And I am the host of the Purple Charm Experience podcast. I am also a romance author and motivational blogger. And today I wanted to share with you a little excerpt from my first book, The Violet Rose. He smelled the sandalwood. I should have known the weight of his body on mine would feel good. The language of love we spoke, our bodies understood. Yes, he was my favorite instrument to play. And this is from the mind of the main character, Violet Rogers. Do you want a little romance? Well, let my books show you that love is an experience. And this is the Purple Charm experience. I hope you enjoyed that excerpt. Please feel free to pick up my books. Book one and two, The Violet Rose and Three is a Charm, respectively, are available now on Amazon.com. If you want to find out more about me and or my books and all the things that's happening with me as an author, please check out my website at www.creativecalfaray.com. Thanks. At Fishnet, every plate served starts with the freshest, high-quality fish sourced from local waters whenever possible. You get fine dining excellence delivered in a cozy, unpretentious, fast-casual setting. Delicious does not even begin to describe it. Everything I've tried is made from scratch and incredible. The best fish I've ever had. Check them out for lunch or dinner at Mount Vernon Marketplace. Get caught in the fishnet. You'll be glad you did. Menu and details at eatfishnet.com. Welcome, folks, to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, you know how we do. We always bring the heat. It's the October Surprise Part 2. I'm so excited to have this special guest with me. Uh, I had her on my show when the pandemic was just starting. And I remember we had no idea what the hell was going to happen. All we knew was, hey, let's just talk. We did we did the elbow high five. And I was in a different studio at that time. So without further ado, Miss Stephanie Bongberger, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. She is the world. I'm hanging in. The world renowned <laughs> real estate. You know, she knows everything. She is, I mean, she is plugged in in the scene, folks. Plugged in. Yeah, I didn't pay you to say that. <laughs> nah, nah, you know, you, you're legit. You were legit. So, how have you been since the last time we've talked? It's been crazy, hasn't it? It's the, I forgot that the last time that we talked, it was just shutting down, and we were talking about a potential stall, maybe, in the real estate market, because things were starting to slow down, because everyone was panicking. I remember you were saying to me, you said... Aaron, people are doing virtual housing yeah. shopping. That was in the beginning. like Because yeah. we didn't really know. Did we really know at that point? No, but nobody wanted to leave their houses or that, you know, that was the fear. And so there was a lot at the beginning of that talking about shopping from your home on your computer for homes and was that going to work there were a lot of agents that kind of said that's kind of where we're going to go we're going to start posting videos we're going to start doing 3d tours and we're going to hope that maybe people convert to doing online shopping like you do for 
a pair of tennis shoes. I, re- I totally remember that. And I remember we were talking about it and we just didn't know what was going to happen. Right. And yeah, who knew, right? That was in <laughs> what? It's 2000. Oh, so we did an interview probably want to say in March of 2000, it was. March of 2020. Yeah. And I really wanted you to come back on because the world has changed oh, yeah. since then. Yeah. And I'm sure I, we're going to get into all the wild stories because you told me some crazy ones. And I, I wanted to bring you back on because I just wanted to, to take us on the timeline of what went down from March until where we are right now of October of 2021. Sure. So let's go with the housing market in the beginning of the pandemic, March, April, May. You know, was the market hot? Was the market slow at that time? I mean, because I know we know what happened now, but like what was the flavor during that time? And of course, when I am talking about this, this is from my own experience, right, of doing a lot of business in Baltimore City, county area. So other people could have other experiences with it, but I think it's pretty much the same thing for everyone. Right at the beginning, when things started shutting down, I mean, I remember having conversations with colleagues and we were like, oh my gosh, are we ever going to sell a house again? Because nothing was happening. And I've been in real estate for 17 years, a pretty high volume the entire time. I think during that March, April time period when things first shut down because of the pandemic, I had like a two, three week period where my phone did not ring at all. I would wake up and go throughout the day and have like two or three emails, like nothing. I wasn't showing houses. We weren't putting houses on the market. Nothing was going on in that initial, like I'd say one and a half to two months. It was very, very slow. It was almost like a shock reaction, you know? Nobody knew what to do. We were told not to leave our houses. So what were we going to do, sell them? (laughs) We were supposed to stay in them, right? So that initial month or two was just, unbelievably slow in the real estate market and there are you know as realtors we all talk amongst each other on social media pages that we have that are private or telephone conversations or you know zoom calls things like that and everybody was kind of wondering you know when would we get to the point where people would start wanting to put their homes on the market again or buyers you know being interested in shopping for homes again because it was so painfully slow well i remember because it's crazy, my washing machine broke down <laughs> during this time. And it was crazy because I'm like, how do I get somebody in my house? This right. is kind of odd. Like, we don't know where, like, it was kind of like the boogeyman. Nobody knew who, what was this, this thing out there. And I remember, like, you know, everybody had the mask on. And for me to think about having somebody come to my house. Yes. That's weird. That's well, weird at that point. if you think about just selling houses in general, like, take the pandemic away from it. It's weird. It feels strange. I shouldn't say it's weird. It feels strange to leave your home and have somebody that you don't know access your house and walk through it with people that you don't know. It just in general, selling a house is kind of a strange process for a lot of people. It's a little uncomfortable. And then when you add the pandemic stuff on top of it, and then you have people potentially who might have some virus that you know very little about in your houses. That's why most people just said, forget it. I'm not, I I don't want people in the house at all. And so much changed during that time as we started to come out of that, as home buyers started to look for homes again and home sellers started to put their homes on the market again, there were so many changes to how we schedule appointments, how we show houses, you know, what we require from people in order to go see houses. There were a lot of changes that came into place, I think, that started to make people maybe feel a little more comfortable about going back into the process. So did you guys have to go out and hire professional videographers? And like, did you have to change the whole game up, like the virtual, you go into yourself and virtually tour the house for your clients when it first started or were people just like, you know what, I'm going to stay put and see what happens. Like what when was- it first started in my experience, people just stayed put and did nothing. Part of the reason now 
um, everyone feels differently about things such as 3D tours and video versus, for example, flat photography. Um, you know, some people love it. Some people don't like it. Um, you know, I have my personal opinion about video. I like somebody to come into a house because a home buying process is an emotional experience. I can look at the pictures online and think it looks great. I can even look at a video or do a 3D tour and think, oh, that looks cool. But it's not the same thing as walking into the property and feeling what it feels like to walk into the property. And that's typically what people buy homes off of, right? So that move to video, in my experience with my sellers and my buyers who wanted video taken, was more about trying to minimize people coming into the house that don't need to be there. So for example, if you just, you know, somebody looks at the pictures online and says, I want to go see property 123 Main Street, and they make an appointment and they see it, they might come in and say, oh, no, the bedrooms were too small, it'll never work for us, or I want a bigger kitchen. If you post video um, or a 3D tour where you can literally walk through the property from your computer, some of those things you can weed out properties that you might not necessarily need to go into. So I started doing that for my sellers as a way to make sure that the people that were entering the homes were people who had already seen as much information as you could possibly see online and they still wanted to see the house. So were there certain restrictions like going to these houses? Like, was it like one person every three hours? Was it like one or two people per day? Just because you didn't know about the ailment in the air, you didn't know right. what was going on. Like, and how were the home sellers responding to, did they have rules for people coming to their house? Like, how did that right. work? How did you, that's a lot of coordination. No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly sponsored by Open Works Baltimore. OpenWorks is Baltimore's largest makerspace, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welders and training in how to use them. OpenWorks also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun and free events throughout the year. But OpenWorks is more than a public workshop. It's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and makers of all kinds. Check out the website at www dot openworksbmore.org or instagram at open underscore works underscore bmore for class schedules membership options and more yeah and and you know it was just with covid in general there were all different rules state by state even sometimes you know county by county about how things should be handled so as realtors, there was a lot of confusion because we would see things come out, sometimes from the governor. Um, sometimes it was unclear who it came from, if it was from a realtor association, about how many people were allowed in a house at one given time and what we were allowed to ask for in order to allow people into the house. So most of it, I think, was seller-driven. But what was pretty typical was no more than three adults in the house at one time, and that includes the agent. If there were children, they had to stay outside of the home. Mm. If they're because of touching. Mm. And if there were children, for example, like I had appointments with um, buyers of mine, and it was a couple, and they had two children. So it was impossible for myself and the husband and the wife to enter the home and leave the kids outside by themselves. So I would go in with the husband and we would see the house. And then we would talk about his feelings about the house and then he would leave and watch the kids while the wife came in to see the house because it was a limit of three people in the house at the same time with no overlapping appointments. So when we schedule appointments, you can have, typically, without the pandemic, you can have multiple people in the house at the same time. If you want to have back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back agents, it's, you know, you're allowed to do that if the sellers want you to. But typically, we would set the regulation that there was no overlapping appointments either. Now, one thing that did also, if you think about competition, is if you can only get three people in the house at one time and you have no overlapping appointments and you have a lot of people that want to see it, what it created was this sense of demand, even if there really maybe wasn't one, because 
I can't, I mean, I was in real estate in 2004, five, six, when the market was really hot then too. It's the only time since then where I've showed up to a house and literally had to wait in a line of people outside because of the mandate that, not mandate necessarily, but the rule that there were three people in the house at one time and that was it. So it created this line outside of the house of people waiting, which of course then created this need of, oh my gosh, there's so many people waiting to see the house. We're, we're all getting to that. We're all getting yeah. to that in the second half because that's, that's, that's where it gets crazy. So I guess open houses, that's, that's no. done. <laughs> well, they've started back again. Okay. And my comments on open houses don't just have to do with the pandemic. Right. You know, is an open house worthwhile to a seller to do? For, okay. both, for many reasons people think they are and for many reasons people think they aren't. I mean, if you talk about with an open house, you say the door is open and there's no stopping somebody from coming in. Right. We don't take copies of driver's license. We have people sign in, but I mean, really, who knows? who's signing in, right? And people are walking through the house that they could be potential buyers, but they also could not. They could also just be somebody who wanders off the street, you know. So open houses themselves are kind of an interesting animal. But then with the pandemic, when you can't have multiple people in the house at the same time, it was almost pointless to have a two-hour open house because you'd have to rush people. I did go to an open house with clients <laughs> once, and it was a... I think they had a two hour open house and the worst part of it was it was in the rain oh, no. and they had a minimum of the number of people that come in and it was in a very hot neighborhood in Baltimore County. And I'm not exaggerating. We waited in line for 45 minutes just to get into the open house, not only because a lot of people were there, but also because they had to allow people to walk through and nobody else could enter. So it just became pointless. Um, it, it, so people got rid of them. Nobody was doing open houses during the really tight shutdown time. Folks, we'll be right back after these messages. We're going to talk about the interest rates, how they dropped, how it was the buyer's market and the seller's market. And we'll get into a little bit more depth because we're going to get into the meat of things now. <laughs> so we'll be right back, folks. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there is something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, carryout, and delivery. And they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Harper Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. And folks, we are back. I told you with, with one of the best real estate agents in the state of Maryland, the DMV, all that good stuff. I mean, she really crushes it out here. And uh, she's been very, I'm very appreciative that she's taking time of her day to come and chat with the old friend. Because I think this is a very important topic about what happened. Because I don't think a lot of people knew really what happened. They saw, they heard the stories. She was actually out there in the front lines. So let's talk about the craziness, Stephanie. Let's talk, let's talk about the craziness. Interest rates start going down, right? Yeah. Like how bad? Like, Way down. Like, like to give us a little, like, from where to where. From beginning to pandemic to where it was when it went low. Like, what, like how big of a rate did it drop? How well, I mean, we were well below three um, for the majority. Once things started picking up again, the interest rates, we were above three before, maybe in the mid to high threes or so, and then they dropped below three, which if you think about it, that's like free money for the most part, right? If you talk to people who bought homes back in the 80s, they'll say their interest rate was 21%. You know, it, I thought when I had refinanced one of my houses years ago when I got six and a quarter, I was like really excited about that. You know, to have an interest rate below 3%, it's almost like you're not paying interest for the money. So that an interest rate drop like that always sparks people's interest in purchasing because the lower that the rate is, the more buying power you have, right? So if you could have bought a house that was 250000 when the rate was three and a half, and now the rate's 
two and three quarters, you can buy more of a house. So people start to get excited about that. And first time home buyers jump into the market. That's a big first time home buyer when interest rates drop. Mm. Um, so when that, I would say that really started dropping this summer after at the same time, it, there were, there were many things that happened at the same time that created the dynamic of what happened in the market over the last year and a half. And, and one of them was the interest rates dropping because at the time we used to say, we would constantly be saying the only thing that seems to really be surging and doing well right now for the most part, unless you're in some sort of video streaming type of thing is the real estate market because you figure in the pandemic, you know, so many businesses just lost everything they had under them and closed or struggled. And the real estate market was one of the things that just persisted and grew, you know, although, although there wasn't as much inventory to sell, it just was one of the things that was hot. I remember I had friends who lived in Canton and they fixed their house up a little bit and they moved to Rogers Ford to for a rental. It was only supposed to be for a year. So it was right, a year right before the pandemic started. Mm. And they were like, oh, we'll be only be here for a year. They just finally closed on a house a yeah. month ago. Yeah. So summer of 2020, because I feel like I've lost years. I don't even know what year it is. Yeah, it went point. into a black hole somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really did. And this is when the interest rates start going down. Yeah. People from now, because I want you to walk us through this. Where are all these people coming from who want to buy houses now? Are they people from the city who want to move to the burbs? Are there people who live in apartments who want to get a house and get out of apartment complexes because they're stuck inside? Like, what are other people? Like, who are you dealing with? Yeah, who are you dealing with this? Who are your customers or clients at this point? So there's there's some clients that aren't typically there. For example, in this past, in 2020 and even going into 21, I have more clients than I've ever had that are picking up and moving out of state. And a lot of them are doing it because they can work from home now. Mm. So that was something that was a little new to what's typical in the market. You know, if you're working from home anyway and you lived in Baltimore, it doesn't really matter if you're, I have clients that picked up and moved to California. And just because they always wanted to live there and now they were able to do that without having to worry about changing jobs because they were working from home. Mm. So that was a different group of people that was greater than it typically is that came into the market. I have this past year and a half, I've had more people selling and relocating out of state than I typically have. Mm. A lot of people moving from the city into the counties, a lot. So because I work a lot in this northeast side of the city area, a lot of my sellers, like the majority of my sellers, are leaving this area and going into northern Baltimore County or Hartford County and moving out into the counties. A lot of them are looking for bigger houses, houses that have office space. You know, at the time, right, you know, still when everything was shut down, they were looking for schooling space because their kids were homeschooling and they were sitting at the, they had three kids at the dining room table. So, you know, what they're looking for was different, you know, feeling sick of being in the same house for a year and they'd been thinking about maybe moving at some point and then they were like, oh, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> um, people who are moving from the city into the county because they don't have a ton of backyard space and they wanted somewhere where their kids could actually go out and play because they were staying at home more than they typically had been staying at home. Um, and there was something else that you had mentioned in terms of groups. Oh, rentals. Rentals, yeah. So, yes, I am. I don't see it. I see the rental turning into a home purchase more now. I did not have that experience personally during the pandemic because... It was, you have to think about the economic impact that the pandemic had on a large majority of people, 
right? So a lot of people who were renting were renting for a reason. They were renting because maybe prior to the pandemic, they hadn't quite gotten into a position where they were ready or wanting to purchase. And then unfortunately, the pandemic affected so many businesses. People's hours were cut. Some businesses closed. So unfortunately, a lot of people who might have been getting themselves prior to the pandemic trying to get themselves out of rentals to purchase were negatively impacted by the pandemic. And so I, my personal experience was not people moving from a rental into a home that they own. Wow. Because I remember on my neighborhood, I remember my neighbor across the street, shout out to Mr. Edwin. He was always looking to get his house back because he bought back when you said 04, 03. And his house was upside down because he bought it for a pretty high price. Yeah. And he was like, Aaron, I think I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm like, really? He was like, houses are selling like hotcakes. And what happened was, well, there was a house around the corner from me that sold for an astronomical figure. Right. And I was like, damn, I might want to move. That That actually, (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned that because I would say this year, last year and a half, more than ever, my client sellers have been people that had investment properties and they were renting them and they look at the prices and they would say, um, I'm going to sell it because I never ever would have expected that I could get that much money for my house right now. I actually sold a house over on Echo Dale. And um, when the guy called me, he had been renting it. And when the guy called me to sell it, we were talking about pricing. And I told him what I thought I would most likely list it for. We were on the phone, but he almost fell on the floor. I mean, he wasn't expecting that he would ever get those kinds of prices for the house. So I've had a ton of sellers that were investors, like you said, that just said, I'm going to sell the house now because either I haven't been able to get out of it prior or I, the, just the pricing is so high right now that I'm just going to ride that wave. Well, I, I will say that um, I remember I had a friend who lives in New York City. She has a property in Seattle, Washington. She brought this property for three hundred thousand, so many years ago, and they were and their, and their real estate agent was like, "You'll never get this back." Right. You'll never get this back. And I remember her giving me a call and saying, "Aaron, I just got my money back for right. this property, and I never thought I would." Um, I really just remember my neighborhood. My neighbor's house was on the market for three days, not even three days, two days. First person saw it gone. Then uh, two houses down, gone. Yeah. Um, then another house around the corner. So my neighbor behind me, he lived in Barcelona. And he was like, the people who were living there were like, we're moving back to home, be closer to family. Because the pandemic, again, like you said, people are going back out of the state. They're right. going, they don't want to be, they, fa- family thing came in perspective a lot during the pandemic. And the guy was like, I saw him, he's like, I'm selling this. He's like, are you kidding me? The market. So I guess, did you really, I mean, you were telling me some wild stories, but give us a little sample size of like some of the stories that you told me about Silver Spring. Yeah. That was like just ludicrous because I, I heard that people weren't even looking at, they were looking around like, I want it. Not mm-hmm. like, and like, I knew my friends who were getting outbidded by 200,000. Yeah. Like no, like, no, and like, I mean, I guess, tell, walk us through the part of like, from the, Seller's point standpoint and not like in like the homeowner standpoint, just how because I remember you said something really specific when we spoke. You were like, normally like I like what I do and I enjoy it, but it felt weird in a way that you're like, I'm making money, but I'm not making honest money right now. The No Picks After Dark Podcast is proudly sponsored by Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth awarding cuisine. From falafel to scallops and everyone's favorite honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday. And serving brunch Saturday 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. With delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials as well. Yeah, because, well, for me and everybody, you know, for me, 
I love my job selling real estate because it's such an intimate relationship with people and a super important part of their lives. I mean, unless you're working with an investor where it's, you know, a little different, but for the most part, I work with home sellers that are selling the homes that they live in and home buyers that are buying a home they want to live in. And that process, and part of what I love about that process is educating people and walking them through it because I want them to have the most positive experience going through it that they can. And what the demand and the inventory, the low inventory issue created was this very spastic need to handle the purchase in a way that didn't feel right. And not just to me, there's a lot of agents, we would also talk about that, how it doesn't feel right. Like you want somebody to buy a house, and we always talked about when we first got into real estate, we would say, it's gotta be a win-win, right? It's gotta feel good to the seller that they're selling the house. It should feel good to the buyer that they're buying the house. We don't want anyone to walk away from it feeling like they got the bad end of the stick. And so when there were things that people were doing in order, so you have to think about as a seller, you wanna sell your house. I, I probably have said 5,000 times this year to my sellers that I meet with, selling your house, that's not my problem. I can sell your house. The issue is where are you gonna go, mm. right? So selling the house, we know, if it's priced relatively correctly and it shows well for what the pricing is, the house is gonna sell. It might sell in six hours in this market, right? That's not the problem. The problem is when the house sells in six hours, what are you gonna do with yourself and your kids and your dog? Mm. Because the issue is finding that next place. Now, I had a lot of clients that said, we're just going to sell the house, we're gonna bank the money, and we're gonna rent. And honestly, that's the, and I, I usually would say then, it, doing that, it depends on how risk averse you are. If you're somebody that says, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to do that. I don't mind if I can't find something. I'm going to rent. I don't mind if we live there for a year. I don't mind if it's hard finding a rental. Then that's good to do. But for some people, that just doesn't feel good to do that. Mm. But that's the way that people in this market may be made out on both ends. You sold the house for higher than you ever expected the house would sell anytime soon. You rent. You rent for as long as you rent for until you feel like the housing market becomes a little more agreeable and then you get back in and maybe you don't buy in such a competitive scenario. The one if to that is if interest rates go back up, right? Because then your buying power changes, but that's getting like way into it. But so a lot of people did that. But the issue became, we, want, we don't want to rent. We want to find a house. So we put the house on the market and we sell it in six hours. Where are you going to go? So those home sellers that are now home buyers are in a position where they have to find something. They have to find something where they want to go and even under terms that I might say, I would never do that. And so most of those crazy scenarios that came out came out of people's need to find a property. So they became so incredibly aggressive to their max ability to be aggressive in order to try to secure that house from, you know, over the 10 other offers that were doing the same thing. So things like saying, I'm not going to do any home inspections, none. <laughs> Um, I don't care if the house appraises for less than I'm buying it for. I'll pay the difference cash out of pocket. Right? So in that scenario, you're buying a house at 400000 The appraisal comes in at three seventy. You're saying, that's fine. I'll give you the thirty grand. Now, you said something about Silver Spring that was that yes. blew my mind. This number was So that is something. So what happened in Silver Spring, and I had it happen a lot, and I had it happen on several houses around here as well, is one strategy was just come right out of the gates with such a high offer that is so clearly going to beat other offers that the seller just takes it right away before any other offers come in. 
So on the Silver Spring House that I put on the market, you know, we had talked, it was a renovation of a historic, an amazing historic property in a very hot neighborhood in Tacoma Park. And we had talked around pricing around 850 and then the market started getting a little high and then we had said let's try 950 because some others had sold in the area around then and we put it on the market. And within a day, the first offer came in and honestly, I almost threw up when I opened it. I just, I could not believe the offer. We had the house on the market. It was the first day on the market. It was, um, listed for 950,000. The first offer came in, it was 1,225,000. Before the agent even sent me the offer, she asked me, do you have any other offers in hand? And I told her no. So she knew she wasn't competing. There was no other offer on the table. And they came in $275,000 above the list price, no home inspection, no appraisal contingency. So it didn't matter what the house appraised for. They were buying it for that. Wow. And what did it appraise for, if you, you don't mind me asking? There's no appraisal. Oh, actually, that's not true. I answered that too quickly. I don't know. Okay. Because as a seller's agent, we only get the appraisal if it appraises low. Okay. A buyer and the buyer's agent get the appraisal on the house. So if you're a buyer and you're buying a house, you know if that house appraised for the value you're in contract for or if it appraised for over, you get to know that the seller's agent, we don't get the appraisal. We just know did it appraise for what we need at least or under if it's a problem, right? So on that house, it made no difference what the appraisal was because there was an appraisal waiver. They already said, regardless of what the appraisal was, that the house was going to sell to us. We never got the appraisal. Wow, folks. I mean, this is why I brought her on because I, I was wanting people to get it like a little, like a peek behind the curtain of what was going on out there. Because I've heard so many stories. I had a friend who, they moved out of D.C. They were like, we want to get out. Yeah. We need land. We need a backyard. We need just freedom. And they had put away well seven hundred thousand, and the house came off first at like three, and then they ended up paying like almost five because they wanted the house that bad. Yeah, and because the people were competing on right. prices, like you know, and the market was just that chaotic. Right, um, and that's what feels bad to me when you're working as a buy. I mean, it feels bad to my buyers, right? So right. I'm an empath. <laughs> And so it feels bad to my buyers, so it feels bad to me. It feels bad when somebody, because when you see, like we were talking about walking into houses, it's an emotional experience. When you walk into a house and the buyer's like, oh my gosh, we love this house. This is the house. We want to write a contract. And instead of really in a very strategic way talking about what the value of the house is and how to craft an offer, it's more, it became more, how aggressive are you willing to get in order to get this house because here's what some other people are doing. I had one situation and it was a buyer that really just wanted the house and they'd lost other houses before. And so part of this problem with the appraisal is if the you know appraisal comes in low. So I did have a client actually where when we crafted the offer, they agreed that they would pay all of the seller's closing-related costs, including all of the commissions, which are typically paid by a seller. So they covered, and it was like $20,000 of the seller's costs mm. in order to win the bid. So their price could be the same, but the benefit to the seller was still higher, right? So it's a less likely chance. That gets very intricate, but of an appraisal issue. But I heard people offering all kinds of things, offering services of businesses that they do to the seller, saying they would pay for moving expenses, moving trucks. I mean, as, as many bizarre offerings as you could do to try to get to win over another offer, not just on pricing, which obviously was one, is one of the issues is pricing, but also very creative ways to try to get sellers to accept their offer over others. Wow. Wow. Now, what's, how's the housing market now? Like, where are we at right now? Has it slowed down a little bit? Are people still, like, looking? Or is it kind of like we're taking our breath and trying to figure things out and go from, like... 
a lot of people are talking about a market slowdown right now, but I don't think that we can really look at that as anything having to do with the pandemic. Because if you historically look at the way the market changes seasonally, there's always a slowdown in like mid-August to like mid-late September. It always slows. People take vacations. Kids are going back to school. We have Labor Day holiday. So that is a normal slow of the market. And that's what we've been in for like the last month. So everybody's like, the market's slowing. And it's like, well, but is it really slowing? Because it always slows like this, typically. Is it really pandemic? So we do have a couple things going on that might slow it down a little bit. Um, interest rates are starting to go up a little bit. You know, they're still ridiculously low. Um, as we head into winter, less inventory comes on. You know, we have the variants from... COVID, so some people are concerned about that again. Um, but I think the slowdown of the market is actually um, more based on location. Like I put three houses on the, actually that's not true. I put two houses on the market last week. One went under contract with multiple bids in 24 hours. Mm. So same thing. Um, I have a buyer I just got into contract this morning. We lost a multiple bid situation last week. This was potentially another multiple bid situation. Thank goodness the seller took the offer. But it still was this, you know, very frenzied. So I think a little bit has to do with where inventory is greater because some neighborhoods, like in this northeast area right now, there's more inventory on the market that there than there was maybe six months ago. So the more inventory on the market, then that will create a bit of a slowdown. But when I'm talking about a slowdown, I'm talking about the difference between one day on the market and I have five offers in my hand, as opposed to maybe it takes a week to get an offer which still is ridiculously fast. Mm. So it, it, the neighborhoods that still have very low inventory and very high demand are still seeing this very frenzied pace. And I think that, so you can't really generalize about the market because I think it's so neighborhood specific. Have you seen an uptick in Northeast Baltimore as far as people moving in, moving out? I mean, what have you seen just, just with your, your personals, like with your clients and people who want to move to the area and whatnot? I mean, honestly, this neighborhood has, ever since I've been in real estate, has always been in high demand. Always. I mean, it's always been desirable. People always, especially first-time home buyers or people looking for this kind of neighborhood feel in the city, um, it, it's always been a high-demand neighborhood. Um, throughout the last year and a half, it seems like there is an uptick in interest and that there may be the amount of homes that are selling is not significantly greater, but the demand and the speed and the price at which they're selling. I mean, prices in this area are some of the prices I've seen in this area. I, I never thought that the homes would sell for that pricing because if you look at it, you consider we're in the city right now and the taxes are double what they are in the county. That's a fact, right? right. So when you see housing prices here where you could buy a house also in the county for that same price, Right, that hasn't typically happened. Usually, because we have the county line only a mile and a half up the street, right? Uh -huh. So usually when people are looking in the city, the prices in this area are a little bit lower than the county because the taxes are also higher too. And then the county might have a higher price range, but the taxes are lower. But now recently I've seen so many houses where it's like, wow, that house sold for 400000 that's really crazy because you think, well, you could cross over the county line too and get a house for 400000 So, But just in terms about desirability in this neighborhood, it's still one of, in my opinion, because I'm very biased to it, it's like one of the only neighborhoods in the city where you get, it could be a small house, like a little bungalow or something, but you could also get a very large four square with some of the larger homes and some land. And you're so convenient to the major routes in downtown Baltimore and the universities and food and things like that. And the price is great. I mean, it really is affordable for people 
newly moving into the area or first time home buyers coming in, the price is so affordable and it's really one of the only, there are a few other little neighborhoods around the city, but it's like always in demand and I'm sure it's because of that reason because you, what you get for your money. Nice, nice. I have, again, folks, I'm glad she was dropped some jewels, some gems. You know, she always come with the heat and I'm just so excited that you came on the show and just really just to walk us through this whole process because, you know, a lot of us didn't really know what was going on. All we know was saw on TV, what your friends yes. were talking about and things that people were looking to buy and purchase houses. And that was actually a new thing that you said that I learned today that you want to sell your house, but where are you going? Yes, <laughs> and, that's the biggest problem. And that by itself, now you got me thinking like, wow, that's interesting. Right. Where, where are you moving after that? Because it's selling that quickly. Wow. Are there any final things you'd like to say? You know, just where can they find you if they want to sell their house or they want to look in the house? We can promote where you're going to be. Where can we find you? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook. I basically live my life there. You can reach me at Stephanie Bamberger Realtor and MBA on Facebook. Um, Most people find me that way or Stephanie Bamberger, my real estate, my non-real estate page on Facebook. Um, My phone number is 410-916-1357. Super easy to get that way uh, probably those are the easiest ways to get me all right anything last to say to anybody who's looking to purchase the house right now it's an exciting time it is slowing down a little bit so just you know in certain areas i wouldn't feel scared of it because in the end buying a house you get so much more than renting and the rental rates are so high right now that a lot of people who are renting can purchase a house for way less plus you get the tax benefit so It seems super intimidating because of what's put out there on the media. But honestly, if you're working with a real estate agent that is familiar with what is going on, and not just myself, there's a lot of us, um, you can navigate through that process. And in the end, buying real estate is always a good investment. In the end, regardless of it going up or down or whatever, it always comes up and it's always a smart move. Folks, you heard it here first. Again, thank you coming on October Surprise Part 2. You know I'm always dropping jewels and gems and trying to educate our listeners out there. And, you know, you could be in California, you could be anywhere in the world, but this really pertains to you for the real estate game. This is happening all over the U.S. And I just wanted to make sure everybody was informed. If you need more questions, please follow her on Facebook. You got you heard her phone number here. Folks, love, peace, and happiness. We're out.